Welcome to OKHR Leads, hosted by Tara Crowley and Rob Trotter. I'm Tara Crowley, and my current role is OKHR Certification Chair, and Rob Trotter is Sooner HR's President and also on OKHR's board. We are connecting with HR leaders in our community and hearing their story and what makes them tick. Hi, Rob. Hey, Tara. How are you doing? Well, I'm good. Uh, I'm kind of excited about today. So what's happening with you? Man, I tell you, I am in a, I've just been in a funk lately. I don't know what's going on, but uh, I really feel the need to disrupt stuff, Tara. You need to shake things up. You know what I mean? And it would be handy if when you do one of these scheduled interviews that you bring around somebody that's kind of like a coach, really enthusiastic and just primes me for what I have to face going forward, Tara. So I'm excited to see who you've got and hear about it. So who do you have today? You know, I feel like every time that we start these conversations, you are always surprised and who we're getting ready to talk to. But I, I'm here to fill the gap for you. So we are talking to Miss Linda Clark. And Linda has the best booming voice that I've ever heard in my entire life. And with this voice, she leads Linda Clark Consulting and Disrupt HR Oklahoma City. So she speaks and trains. Uh, her engagements run the gamut of industries and professions. And Linda is also an adjunct professor at the University of Central Oklahoma, where she helps students focus on communication and leadership. And Linda also has had a handful of roles leading HR teams at places like Aveda Transportation and 77 Energy. But amongst these amazing roles, Linda is also a keynote speaker, a storyteller, and import- most importantly, um, a certified Dare to Lead facilitator. So thank you, Brene Brown, for sharing this tool with Linda. Um, but I'm super excited to hear about Linda and all the things that she has done ever in her life. Uh, but m- welcome, Miss Linda Clark. Well, thank you so much. And I can tell you, I'm glad social media wasn't around when I was a teenager because you are not going to <laughs> everything I've done in my life. And thanks for listening to on Facebook. Um, one correction, because the bio sounds awesome. Um, Disrupt HR, Oklahoma City, we have passed the torch recently because we felt like if you keep disrupting the same way every year, you're not disrupting at all. So the Disrupt HR Tulsa team has taken it. Yeah. And we're all connected with them anyway. So I'm super delighted I'll be speaking at Disrupt Tulsa in October. And that is the team that is now handling Oklahoma City. So we now have swept the state of Oklahoma and one team has it. So that's Heidi, Josh, and Dixie. Um, and I'm, we're excited. Oh, how exciting. That's exciting. I want to hear more about this. I want to hear, I've never been to a Disrupt HR, and, and Christy Spacey, who has also been a guest on our podcast, talked about it, and so I, I want to hear about you, but before we get there, can you tell, me, tell us a little bit about Disrupt HR and, and what it feeds and its purpose? Sure. So Disrupt HR was developed by Jennifer McClure. She's the founder. It is now in 153 cities globally. Um, like I'm hoping to speak at Disrupt Cayman Islands sometime, right? Behind Disrupt, it's built on the same platform as the Ignite speeches. So five minutes, 
right? That's all you get. Sounds easy. It's actually very hard. It's easy to fill an hour. Mm-hmm. Hard to distill a major thought into give or take 700 words is about what you have time for. You also have 20 slides that advance on you every 15 seconds. You don't have a clicker. They're going with or without you. So it's a cool challenge. Disrupt is really focused on people, talent, HR. So you'll see ideas. Um, My topic one year was um, basically why operation, hate mail from operations, why operations hates HR. So had a lot of fun with Mm -hmm. that. Um, Mike Shaw did one on belonging. Like you are, remember at your job, you were chosen, right? You were Mm handpicked. You do offer something. So it's really about Mm -hmm. really pointed ideas around, you know, diversity, equity, inclusivity, social justice, elevating voices, mentorship. So I invite you to make sure you go to the one in Tulsa in October. I'm intrigued by the Disrupt HR, you know, and uh, have watched several of those videos. And um, as a Toastmaster, often envision myself being up there giving a speech. But how, Linda, do you come up with these topics? What, you know, what what inspires you and, you know, Christy or Mike to have that topic or write that speech and get up there? Uh, I think the first is you have to have really good event organizers to help you cross some of the bridges as an HR person of, well, I need to be really buttoned up and professional. Probably not and disrupt. You're a storyteller, mm-hmm. making an impactful point. A lot of disrupt speakers use it to kind of trial an idea and then expand it out into full-blown curriculum, workshop, or training. A lot of people, when I work with someone who wants to talk at a disrupt and they're like, I want to talk about communication. I'm like, great. What part? Because you only have five minutes. Right. Well, okay, <laughs> about conflict. Great. What part? Because you only have five minutes. Really getting people down to what are you going to talk about in five minutes? You don't have three mate. It's one thing. And then really pick it apart. It should be something you're passionate about. Super passionate. Right. Right. So it's not, it's not the same thing we've already, like, don't come in and talk about resilience, you know, come in and maybe talk about the five minutes before resilience, when you were face down in the bathroom crying and considering a career at, you know, a local, you know, something different, right? Because I don't want to knock hospitality either. But when I get frustrated, Mm -hmm. my typical line is I'm going to Waffle House and I'm going to serve people and take care of them. And my husband knows yeah. I'm probably not going to go do that, right? But it needs to be something you're that passionate about, that mad about, that a door you see is closed and needs to be kicked open, right? That's yeah. what she needs. Because isn't part of, part of change is it hurts so much that you want to make a change about it. So what I'm hearing you say is you have to have this passion in order to have a conversation about something that's, you know, five minutes, but you're going to get your point across because you, you feel it in some manner. You got to be passionate. It doesn't necessarily have to be painful um, because I think that's a mythology we've bought into that in order for something to be valuable, it has to hurt or be difficult. You can do really complex, challenging projects that are at the far end of your skill set, completely enjoy and purpose. Like yeah. this model yeah. of it has to be suck in order to create change. It's not true, right? But you have to be passionate. Well, yeah, I think my point was sometimes people don't change until it does hurt enough. <laughs> so yeah. 
and why, right? Sometimes they're just conservative and that's awesome because a conservative person balances mm-hmm. me running out the front door. Right. Brilliant when it's not been thought through at really? all. Like I need that person. Right, right. No, you're going to die in traffic. Come back here. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Both matter, right? But I'm the person that creates change because I'm bored. Sometimes I want to change things that don't need to be changed, right? Just because it's mm-hmm. not tiny. But I balance the person that never changes until it's really painful. Right. I think I wish we talked more about that continuum. Yeah. That, you know, right. We change. Right. Well, okay. Reason. Well, we can't. We can. We can. And I hope that we do get back to that. But but we've already gotten onto a great topic. But can we go back and talk about your background and you tell us a little bit about yourself and you know, how it led to your careers. And then we can talk about how, how all of, I mean, within that storytelling, how all of these changes occurred and that you are running full speed ahead. We can totally, because you're the leader, right? And followership on my <laughs> part is just as important as leadership on yours and something else we don't talk about enough, right? So break that big giant question down into something slightly smaller. Like, where do you want to start? Tell us about your background and then tell us how you got into different jobs how you got into HR. Um, So I'm an accidental HR person. Let's start there. So if you're listening to this or watching this and you're that person that had a plan and you majored in HR and then you interned in HR, um, I have no idea how you did that. And congratulations. Um, I majored in hospital business administration. And what I knew as I got my diploma is that I would never work in a hospital. I knew I'm like, I don't want to work in healthcare. I love people that do it. I don't want to do it. So the first thing is your bachelor's degree is not always what you do for the rest of your life. Surprise. Um, Then I did some stuff and got burnt out. I was in sales and a friend of mine said, we've got a job opening in accounting. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, no, but okay. Um, Because accounting, I'm not the person you want in your accounting department. I think reconciling within 20% is close enough. So I'm over, right. So I'm over in accounting and I'm just doing my little reports. It's kind of very structured job. It's cool. And the payroll person quits and they're like, well, can you do payroll? And I'm like, well, they couldn't do it. So I can probably figure it out. And so I got in there and started learning payroll. And then the HR person left and they're like, can you do HR? And I'm like, okay, sounds kind of cool. The good news is I had leaders supporting me that were like, hey, it's okay to fail. It's okay to be innovative. It's okay to learn on the fly. They were not saying, unless you have these three things, you can't possibly be a good HR person. Now, do I think HR degrees are good? Sure. Do I think certification is important? I think it's critical. And I know people that are really good test takers that aren't the best HR people. And I know amazing HR people that aren't certified. So, you know, pick your battles, right? So I fell in love with it, mainly because I had operational focus from the beginning, right? It was operations mm-hmm. people going, this is what will serve us. Come to our meetings, come to the board meeting, come to the sales meeting, instead of keeping me at arm's length. So I think that exposure changed how I moved through the world. So I've been really fortunate to have HR mentors but even more fortunate mm-hmm. to have ops mentors. So that led me, um, worked in retail automotive for almost 10 years with AutoNation, loved and adored that team. I still hunt down their stores when I need something. I love their philosophy. 
uh, retail automotive is trial by fire, very male dominated industry. It was like working with all my big brothers. And then it wasn't enough dudes. So I moved to the oil field and then I spent <laughs> seven or eight years in New York, right? and loved it as well. Um, I love a drilling rig, like no one's business. They're loud. They make a ton of noise and I adore them. Um, don't love corporate, didn't love meetings. So that's kind of the quick and skinny. I was fortunate to begin teaching PHR certification immediately after I got mine. I've been certified since 2005. <laughs> um, when I was at Chesapeake, we did it in-house for our HR team so that our HR team could get their certifications. Then with OCHRS, helped to work on that for a while. And it's a big deal to me to teach it and open that door for people. So certification is important in my world. It's just not the only thing. So does that give you enough kind of career perspective? Sure. I've type A boss that delivered on time, never missed a deadline and was a pain to work for. I've had bosses value me enough to get me a coach to help me build my relational skills that you and you both know, especially last mm -hmm. year, right? Mm -hmm. All of that 1970s and 1980s productivity, 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 productivity has come back to roost. And we need to learn empathy and relationship management and coaching and curiosity and empathy and inquiry. So a lot mm -hmm. of us are learning, teaching, relearning. And someone valued me enough to make sure I got those skills. So that's why my focus changed to coaching, confidence, inquiry. If I can just get people to live in a space of questioning and learning, the rest solves itself. So more question marks than periods really solves a lot. Can you, can you talk real quick about that decision to go from a corporate safe job in a position to, to coaching? And, you know, being that entrepreneur and, you know, relying on yourself to, to make that money and living had uh, to be a big decision. Enormous decision. Uh, if someone has arrived at that decision and been confident and in control and ready, congratulations to you, because um, that is not what it felt like. It felt like I was hanging out with Andy Beck, who owns Oklahoma Skydiving and like, you know, jumping out of it felt like I knew um, coaching was really growing as a love. I had been very open with my boss about coaching and learning that and wanting to publicly speak. So um, he knew, and that was good. When I opened up was some passion saying it's time. And some was, there, we were in the middle of a pretty big oil field crash, right? We were doing reductions. Um, we were having those conversations. So that kind of also felt like a natural moment of transition because I still love it. I still have clients. I still look for opportunities to work with it and there's more. So I don't think there's ever a time, but I felt comfortable with um, being financially conservative, right? We, we live in a house that's affordable. We keep credit card debt low. So I wasn't, I don't have kids, so I'm not going to pay for college for someone. Um, I have horses, so they also set money on fire, but they don't go to college. So there's a really popular meme that says, how do you become a millionaire in horses? And it's start as a billionaire, right? <laughs> <Don't break. laughs> like that's how you become a millionaire in horses. So it really was about walking the talk and, and just finally realizing that if I didn't like it or it didn't work or it wasn't what I thought it would be, I'm still talented in HR. I'll get a job. 
right? Would there be some shame? Probably I'd have to go, oh, I failed, but I failed because I tried. I didn't decide I couldn't be an entrepreneur and never give myself a chance. And the business has changed since it opened. I thought I was one-on-one -on -one coaching is where I was going. That's not where my heart is. My heart really is with the 25 to 35 year old early in career, not really being picked for leadership development yet. How do we get to them? How do we make that accessible? How do I teach people? It's not HR's job to notice you and develop you. It's your job to go, this is who I am and how I move through the world. What resources are available? Own that. And then I can yeah. help. So is that a bigger answer than you wanted, Rob? But that's what it was. It was good. It was perfect. And now I don't know. So you go back, but I'm like, you know, I feel <laughs> like I have an awesome best of both worlds. You also said um, an adjunct professor at uh, OCU, and it's in communications, correct? In the communications, is it the communications department? How does how does, it how does that look? What does that look like? That looks yeah, like how does that work? Because if you're if you have a degree in the hospital administration, and then you're in all of these things, how did it all play together to get that role or be able to? One is have a good network, right? Like I can hear, you know, uh, Steve Brown and Bruce Waller in my head right now, like, because my coach is connected to UCO. Uh, my master's degree is in HR management, right? Like, so I eventually refined okay. my education into that and then all of my certifications. Um, as an adjunct, I don't want to be on campus full time, I'm not interested in an <clears throat> academic career lane. So when I accept classes, I do these intensives where someone needs one hour, two hours to graduate and I'm between them and walking. So I teach in two programs, oh. mass communication, which is where interpersonal communication, strategic communication, organizational communication degrees live is inside of the College of Liberal Arts. And I mentioned that because all of those degrees serve HR very well. These are the degrees where you find group and team dynamics. I teach that. These are the degrees where you teach feedback. I teach that. Um, these are the degrees where we talk about uh, dare to lead, right? In the College of Business, we have an HR degree. So I work with those students on occasion as well. They might show up in my classes. So it's really important to think about what is the degree path serve in HR? Don't just say it has to be an HR degree. Sometimes org psychology is perfect, right? Organization mm -hmm. communication, that whole degree is about how we communicate internally. How do we deliver tough messages? How do, so strategic communication, how do we communicate externally? So I really love when I'm looking at people that are applying for jobs is like, I'll pull up what classes were in your degree because so many times they do contribute to HR when someone's going, I know I don't have HR experience. Really? Because I see that you took a class in feedback and conflict management and group and team dynamics. And that's HR. And they're like, uh, oh, mm -hmm. so we're, that's, mm -hmm. no, we're not doing that. So that's how that works. So for instance, in a one hour group and team class, I see them on Friday, right? They know nothing about teams. They, they're telling me things like you can't form a team in 48 hours. And I'm like, yes, you can. If the leader knows how to take you through the phases. And then by Sunday, 
they have to deliver a group project that engages us for 45 minutes. So that's not death by PowerPoint. That's interacting, being vulnerable, being empathetic. So they mm -hmm. learn that it's not true in a culture that it takes forever to build trust. You can build trust in 48 hours if you know how to build it. You can build cohesion in 48 hours. You can break a team in 30 seconds. And that's what they learn because it's that fast paced. And now when they leave that class, they have five engaging team building activities to take into their next job because they have the one they built and four more that teach something, right? So go to an interview and talk about this assignment. Go to an interview and talk about <laughs> on Friday being told, hey, Sunday, I need 45 minutes of engaging content with value and go. Talk about learning to respond that fast because I don't think they're talking about that in their interviews. I don't think their employers know that we're preparing. Right. Right. So, well, thank you for preparing them. Trying. Because that's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. So you are, and, and I apologize, I didn't, didn't mention this whenever we're introducing you, but for OKHR, you're with College Relations, correct? Yes. yes. So, yeah, and, and along with other things, and then also with the Oklahoma City chapter. One thing that I know that has recently been created by Linda Clark in a like fast-paced, uh, rocket-fuel uh, tempo is Pathways. And this is a new program that is available um, that was presented at OKHR. And I want to know if you can tell us about this because this is your baby and then you incorporated two other persons. Tell us a little bit about how that transpired and what it is, please. So A, thank you because it is my baby. Um, it is a legacy program. So what, cause when I say my baby, I don't have a lot of control over it and I built it that way. So I am the college relations chair. That's the title and Heidi Hartman. So, you know, great leader, fearless leader of OKHR said, are you enjoying it? And I'm like, no, cause I'm blunt. She's like, why not? And I'm like, well, cause I don't understand why a nice 53 year old lady is the college relations chair. Like, this is what we're talking about with people. Why is a 53-year-old the college relations chair? And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to create this pathways thing. And I ran it by her and she said, go play. And I'm like, okay. So I see it more yeah. of legacy, right? I see it as walking our talk about succession. You know, who's next? But not only who's immediately next, but who's next three, four, seven years down the road. If we're not modeling that, how is anyone else going to model it? So Pathways takes what in the past has been college relations, which was really focused on schools with an HR degree, right? We wanted student chapters and I still do. And there's other students thinking about HR. There are other people mm -hmm. that in college that want HR careers. There are positions that are perfectly fine without an HR degree. So Pathways starts addressing these questions. So there are three paths. Path number one is college relations. Um, so we have a college relations chair that will be heir apparent, right? We're actually getting ready to announce a new college relations person. So I'm not going to name them here. So hold that thought. Um, so college relations is for any student 
at any college or university in Oklahoma that might need help on how to write a resume, might need help on can we form a student chapter, might want to know how do I get an internship. So what you're going to see is webinars hosted by staffing firms to coach them on how to get ready. You're going to see job boards where employers can post internships. You're going to see us reaching into the community to say, who wants to be a first approach for these students that have, like I have an OU graduate right now, amazing resume, can't get a call back because he doesn't quite know how to work the system and get through the ATS system yet. You're going to see recruiting at all colleges and universities, right? So that's step one. Step path two is emerging professionals. Um, our emerging professionals chair is Caitlin Minky, who is an emerging professional. Surprise, she's in the first few years of her career. She won a scholarship from us three or four years ago. She got her job through a college relations connection. Now she leads emerging professionals. We define that as anyone in the first five years of an HR career. That doesn't mean recent graduate. That doesn't mean young. It could mean in COVID you went, I want to pivot to HR from accounting and now you need us. So emerging professional serves that space. The third pathway is new and I haven't seen this anywhere else. It's called Evolve. It's chaired by Jared Williams of Moore Norman uh, Technology. Evolve is for our people that learned HR on the job, that learned HR through career tech that learned HR because they grew up in their daddy's business, right? So homegrown, on the job, non-college paths. We will be providing scholarships in all three lanes. We will be providing mentorship in all three lanes. We will be providing job connections in all three lanes. So now that you know the three paths, how does that work with how you think as an HR leader? How do you see that serving the state and the profession because what we saw is if we only rely on colleges with an HR major, we already have an HR talent bottleneck in Oklahoma. So what are you two thinking now that I told you about Right. Hey, I think it's amazing. And I agree. There are a lot of times that people are in a degree that it may not fit. It may not be, it may not think about HR. You talked about that a little bit with what you, what you're doing at OCU, but, but also the college relations that, you know, OU has a business college, but they have a human relations. So we have a hard time at Sooner HR Chapter of connecting because it's not an HR, HR job, you know, HR in their colleges. So, yeah, you go to OCU, you go to um, OSU. I know that there are persons there, but that's limited. Right. You talked about the emerging profession. Huge. I mean, huge light bulb because there are so many people who maybe they've worked, like you just said, and Rob's experience. I am the one person who got a degree and HR was what I wanted to do. So I, I'm maybe that rarity in HR. But Rob, you know, made a career change and walked into it too. They, per, these persons need this resource of an emerging profession to say, oh my gosh, I, I didn't know that's the one thing that I needed to know. I also have a person who works in my office with me that she was a teacher. She was willing to learn. She now has her certification. I mean, it's awesome. So people make changes. But the evolved part, I want to hear more about that because that is fascinating. And that is, I think, an untapped resource. Absolutely. We do have people who, 
you know, yes, like you said, grew up in their family business and it is kind of that natural. Like, what's the television show? Bob Lowe's, Bob Hart's Abishola. It's a family run company and the brother is the HR person. He, you know, they, they, they show him, he doesn't know anything or whatever, but it's, but it's hilarious, but they are probably doing things as they've always done things and, and may not say, Oh, I need to go look something up. This is all fascinating and perfect. Perfect. So Rob, turn it over to you. Consider maybe Jared being a guest in the future. Um, he's oh, yeah. an engaging speaker. He's got some really cool hobbies to talk about. And he's really into gamifying job hunting and talent. So he's super passionate about returning people to work after, you know, incarceration or helping people come back in after social um, struggles, uh, substance use or misuse struggles. So like, have him on to really because evolve is his passion um but for instance an evolve scholarship an evolve scholarship might be someone who's learned but it wants their certification and they apply for a thousand dollar scholarship to pay for that test or pay for a study group right right or frankly i don't care if they apply for it to help pay for child care while they're at work serving humans as an hr professional so we're changing the definition of scholarship to not mean just financial support mm-hmm. for academic studies but right. is how do we help you move forward successfully and that's also right. Right. accessibility right there's privilege to only go to certain schools with certain degree programs we have to reach people that maybe didn't have financial privilege, academic privilege, legacy privilege to get them the jobs, right? So we're also very focused on that. Yeah, this is really good. Um, personally, when you were going through the pathways, I really resonated with the emerging professionals as Tara alluded to, because in 2012, I left my 23 year career from movie theater management and I was foolhardy enough and not not aware enough to realize just how hard it is to get into the HR game. And that's what I chose. Uh, but because I loved working with people and developing people, training people, recruiting, that, that part of the management is what I really liked. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also hated the, the policy police side of HR. And I was wow. like, I'm going to get yes. into there and I am going to be the person because I know, I know they can work with us. I know they can be the department of yes. They just don't yes. want to be. <laughs> and uh, it was it was darn hard to kind of break in. And fortunately, I found someone willing to take that, that risk. But uh, I had to borrow money because I didn't have a job. Right. I left my job. I had I had to borrow money from my father-in-law to study for that test. Yeah. And that was a pride swallowing type thing. And I'm so happy that he did that. And uh, but yeah. So this rings, this is great. Where are you along the development of this pathways? I mean, we're building the plane while we fly it. So this team came together. Um, Glenda Parker is also a part of our team. She is stepping out of her role as college relations. And so that's why I want to honor what she did as well while we switch to this name that will be announced so fast. But part of it is, I think I gave Heidi the idea four, four months ago the, our conference that Greg helped us organize was a month later. And I'm like, hey guys, can we be a part of the conference? And they were like, yeah. And Caitlin and Glenda and Jared got on a Zoom. They built out a vendor area. They were already starting to short code. We're beginning to build an email list. So what I would tell you is 
we're going to be asking for people that want to partner as like a mentor or might want to lead a webinar for a student or an emerging professional. We're going to be asking for employers that want to say, you know what, we want to be frontline to know about this talent that maybe they're not just applying online. Giving you an example with this person I'm working with right now, summa cum laude from OU with double degrees in psychology and criminology. So all this background in teams and negotiation and conflict can't get a bite on an HR coordinator role. And their attitude is about success and elevating voices and how can they contribute to a team? I'd hire this person tomorrow. Right. How do we bring people together, right? Like, yes, ATS, yes, tracking, yes, compliance. I get it. And you're missing talent because of these postings that are requiring an HR degree mm-hmm. when a psychology degree has cool stuff. How do we make these connections in the field? Because it's twofold. I need to help right. college people, emerging people write awesome resumes and be prepared but we as employers need to dust off some practices and some commitment to compliance that's actually blocking talent flow. So I'm not talking about being illegal, hey, but flow. So yes, what's your thought? Well, Rob, for Sooner HR, we had a gentleman from COIB present, and okay. that's uh, Central Oklahoma Workforce Initiative Board. And he talked about, and Rob can probably explain it better but one thing that he talked about is he can come to your business and this is in oklahoma city area he he is over a few um counties but anyway but what his point was he can look at your postings and tell you whether you are taking away adding to whatever the wording is if you are potentially missing people for however you have presented your posting. That's number one. The other thing is, I remember him talking about, you can, if there's an assessment of your job, you can say, instead of just like, oh, an accountant assistant becomes an accountant, becomes a controller, becomes a, you know, whatever that feed is. If they have, what are your skills that you're looking at? How can that marry with a completely opposite job that's a, you know, operations, you know, manager, whatever that is, he, they have these tools, but, you know, it's it's free to a company, but the company has to initiate having that conversation with Absolutely. them. And, right. you know, these are things that I feel like that you were talking about that we need to marry all of that. And the person you talked about that Sumika Mwadi that hasn't found a job yet, I'm thinking, oh, my mind's blown. She has investigative, you know, skills, but she's going to, you know, let me go, let's, let's go, here's an issue with this employee, you know, whatever the issue is, but she's going to go figure out what happened. That is amazing. You know, right, like this is an call Linda. If you're listening to this, call Linda, find her. Yeah. Call, <laughs> call me and find, cause this person's amazing. So I will totally connect you with them and you're right. Right. Like that's the flow. And I, yes. Do we need job descriptions? Yes. Do we have to be compliant? Yes. Do we not want to have ads that say things like young and energetic? Yes. But talk about your values, talk about your soul, talk about what you want out of this person other than letters behind your name, because sometimes you're just going to get a good test taker that doesn't fit with your culture anyway. But we've been too afraid. 
a current move in HR is developing custom job descriptions to your talent and going, you know what, Linda's good at X, Y, and Z. And you know what, she's just awful at D and E. We're going to have Lori do D and E instead of beating me up or telling me I'm not enough or making me paranoid. Mm -hmm. Just go celebrate what I'm awesome at. Yeah. That takes an edgy, forward, disruptive kind of mindset, right? To be brave enough to go, we're going to tell people that we love you and that we value, we value failure more than we value inaction and paralysis because you're trying to wait till it's right. Say that in your right. Well, Linda, we, you, we were talking before we started recording and you told us a little bit about how you were trying to fit into a mold in your roles and, uh, and be, I'm going to use the word buttoned up, buttoned up and trying to fit into what you maybe were told was expected of you or how you thought the, an HR role was supposed to be. And in telling that story, you kind of talked about some pivot. Can you, would you share that with us? Sure. Would you share what happened? I think that's part of the power of storytelling, right? Is that we have to talk about, we can, we have to quit acting like we just burst forth from the womb, this informed about employment law and professional, but we have to go, yeah, in college, there were some decisions, right? Like stop acting. It's part of why people don't trust us, but some of the pivots was um, one, I'm a late diagnosis of autism and ADHD. So many years, what I thought was I'm smart, yay, but I don't have great people skills. And I didn't know how to talk about that, right? Um, other people didn't know how to accommodate. I'm not being rude. I just don't always have good social cues. So having a coach fix that, being diagnosed finally helps, right? But I was trying to like where I grew my hair long and I wore a very responsible bun and I bought suits, the matchy matchy suit. I was still wearing pantyhose because I thought it made you more responsible, right? Oh. Pantyhose and a closed toe shoe because responsible. And people don't trust that. People don't trust um, the jargon, the language. Like, can I talk it? Sure. I can walk right in front of a C-suite and a board and talk about a hundred million dollar merger and acquisition. And I'm credible. I know what I'm doing. And I'll still say all y'all because I'm from Oklahoma. And I can talk about having leaders say, great, you're doing every bullet point on your job description. Congratulations. That's actually the minimum. You're a three on a scale of one to five. You meet expectations but you don't have people skills or leaders going, right. it's not enough for me that you met the deadline and someone cried because you were so hard on them. And I'm like, well, I just value the outcome. And they're like, I need you to value the human and the outcome. It's not either or because there are also businesses that are bowling every Friday night and financially not solvent. So it can't all be happy either. Right. So those pivots have been about me going, like you mentioned that big voice, I hated my voice, right? For years, I still hate it because we hear our voice through our bones, you hear it through your ears. It did, I gave myself a break when I said that in a workshop one day and a lady raised her hand and she's like, no, I'm interrupting you right now. I'm in radio, people would kill for that voice. Mm -hmm. And I just went, you know what? I can either believe my story that my voice is mm -hmm. ugly 
Platt, or I can believe her story, that it's beautiful and resonant. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna believe hers. So I get misgendered all the time though. They'll say, your name is Linda Clark. And I'm like, yes, okay, sir. And I'm like, good on you. I'll answer to they, them anyway. So go ahead and call me, sir, right? But it helps me have the tiniest bit of like experience of what people feel like when they're misgendered, when they're like, this is how I move through the world. And we're like, no, no, I'm gonna call you this. I, it, I don't like it when someone makes a mistake. What if I really intentionally needed you to call me Linda or she, her, or they, them, and you just went, nah. So yeah, how I, I come back to that is like, I don't like it when someone's like, sir, uh, no, but thanks. And I'm not sure if that answered it, but that's the pivots, right? Yeah. Like, like your job description is the minimum ticket to ride. It's not the glory at all. You've got to be brave to be glorious. And to get a five in my world as an HR professional, a one to five, right? A five is a four that replicates. I don't care how good you are. If you don't create more good folks and teach and learn, mm -hmm. you will never get a five in my book. I don't care how good you are. You'll be a four. You can be outstanding, but fives send the elevator back down, period. Now that may not be your definition, but that's, that's how I measure it. That's how I share it with teams I work with. If you don't share the generosity, if you don't share the knowledge, if you don't value success in others, then you can be a four that's very technically talented. How does that okay. feel for y'all? I'm, like? I'm trying to, to, to put in my brain what you're saying. Okay. And what I'm hearing you say is, you are great at the things, mm -hmm. but if you can't promote, help, recreate along with someone else or promote them, then you are not a five. Right. So you are a five if you can get them, somebody else to go along and do the same thing you have done. Because that Perfect. to me, a five, right, is exceeds expectations consistently. Great. If you're the number one salesperson, awesome. That's a four, top of the game. Oh, right. I see you mentoring other salespeople. Ah, that's a five. Yeah. Right. So right. that's what I look for. If you're not collaborative, if you're not partnered, if you're not humble, if you're not empathetic, you're never going to see a five. Because you've got sharing time and talent. Sorry. All right, we we have been talking for a long time, and we only yeah. had question one. <laughs> I know and we can do what you want to do because you have to edit it down, right? Um, I mean, what was one of your other ones? What's your favorite tool? Well, I loved that one. Um, do you want to answer that one? I'll totally. Yeah, I have two. I have two secret. Let's ones. answer that one, and then I have one more. So yeah. Uh, so what's your favorite tool in HR, or what's uh, your favorite tool in business? Uh, so my first tool is Minty, mintymeter.com. Uh -huh. Y'all see me use that. Um, I used Minty Meter before we went virtual. When I want the mm -hmm. truth in a room, I use Minty Meter. So let's say we are out talking to the board and a selection of executives and middle managers about, are we a values-driven company? And I say, here are our five values. If I go, are we living our values? We're all going to go, yeah, because my boss is in the room. Absolutely. Living the value, living the dream. 
if I put it on Minty behind me on screen and you can use your phone to anonymously answer, hey, we're doing really good at teamwork. We're not so hot at ethics right now. We need to talk about that. Now I get the truth. We can have the truthful discussion. Now I'm not, I'm taking out bias. I'm taking out power. I'm taking out hierarchy. I'm taking out shame because I'm using that. So Minty is a huge way to facilitate discussions. Um, it's how I make virtual learning very engaging, right? Because it's not, a right. they're, they're talking, they're interacting. The second one I use is that I realize that I only retain information when I handwrite, but you've already heard the two mm -hmm. diagnoses. If I handwrite on paper, it's in my purse, it's on my desk, it's somewhere I'm not right now. So the app I use is called GoodNotes. Um, so I handwrite everything on my iPad so I know it's with me, right? And then I can, I can send a screenshot to someone. I can search my handwriting um, if I, but I don't, it's always with me, right? I don't have to worry about where did I leave the piece of paper and I'm not typing because when I type, I don't remember. So those mm -hmm. are my two tools for, I don't have to know everything. I don't have to be perfect because I, the data is with me and I can search it, but learning to be confident enough to go, I don't know immediately, or I value the answer for you so much that I'm going to look this up. But right. our people aren't always good at that. We're scared to death to go. I don't know the state law in North Dakota, this county. I'm going to go look it up. That's okay. Right. Not, like, whatever. As long as you know. Right. Like it. So those are my two favorites. My husband just showed me a, a product that's like a notebook piece of paper. Okay. But it doesn't have the blue screen behind it or, or whatever. It and it looks like when you write on it that it's actually writing on paper. Is it it was amazing. I don't think so. I'll ask him about it and I'll send it to you and I'll, we'll put it in show notes, whatever it is. But I, he showed me the video. It was crazy. It's amazing. All yeah. right. So Go ahead. Thank you. Um, my last question I'm going to ask you um, before we close out um, to our slow part is what makes someone smart? Oh, God. I don't know anymore. Um, we stopped Linda. You know what? What's weird is that lately I have been saying there are no coincidences a lot. And before y'all today, the coaching call I had was me talking to a client about having their chaos with them and how to use Outlook or use GoodNotes. And in that process, they said, work smarter. And I'm like, no, because you're already ridiculously smart. I'm like, I want you to work kinder. I want you to go, I have with me. I don't have to be perfect. So that's why it's funny to me for you to say what's smart. To me these days, smart is crystal clear vision on how you want to move through the world, that's your center. Then you plug that into the industry you wanna be in, the job function you wanna be in, the business values of the organization that hires you. But the organizations aren't asking people for their personal values and that's wrong, right? I value service and courage. If I come to work for you and you value innovation, and you haven't given me a new project lately, my job doesn't let me ask questions, I assure you, you're not gonna get innovation out of me because you don't know that I value 
courage and being brave, or if I value dependability and reliability, and you've changed things on me every single day for a month, and you wonder why I'm checked out. So I'm beginning to take companies through an exercise to go, what are the personal values? That's one. How do we plug into the business value? That's two. What do our stakeholders experience as a result of that? What is the behavior? And now we're seeing people go, oh, I get it now. Values aren't fluffy little things on a poster. They serve the ROI, Mm -hmm. but you have to do the steps. So that's really, I'm really into that right now. And that connected piece of the personal value. Yeah. Coach, got a question. Yeah. How does, how does one determine their own personal values? So, I mean, you could go to dare to lead. Um, (laughs) One way you can do it. A lot of people don't realize that Brene Brown has created an amazing library. It's public source. So it's dare to lead dot Brene Brown.com. You will find step-by-step how to lead a team through discovering their values, how to lead a team through a tough conversation, how to, there's a worksheet for Rob. If you and I were kind of brushing up against each other, how can we break down the sticking point in our trust and have a tough conversation? There are videos. There's a book club for how to take your team through reading dare to lead. So do I want you to come Mm -hmm. see me too? Sure. Is it more important to me to lay your hands on resources today? Yes. Like go there, yeah. download the things. So there is a values process there for how do you get down to two? The reason for two is so you make all decisions through that lens. If I have 12, you know, I'm not running everything through it, but service and courage roll up faith, purpose, respect, compassion. So what are yours, right? And then we, once you figured them out, we talk about what behaviors are you doing when you're in your value? When I'm in service and courage, I'll have a tough conversation. I don't avoid it. Then we go, what are your slippery behaviors? When I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm mad, I don't feel appreciated. And I see you struggling and I go, maybe Tara will handle it. La, la, la. <laughs> so that's one of my slippery behaviors if i start avoiding i'm like ah, ha, ha, ha. what do you need to get mm-hmm. back to your value right the boss mm-hmm. should chase me down and tell me right mm-hmm. i should be aware so i hope people go play there uh, a lot of people are doing values work but a lot of it is just sitting by yourself in some quiet time and going if i died at midnight tonight what do i want them to say at my funeral really focuses people on what's important because do you want them to go rob was such a hard worker right and maybe you do so maybe work ethic is a value for you but maybe you want them to go he was a patient and humble leader great explore that okay you mentioned in that i'm going to circle all the way back from when when you were saying you know, an employee is saying, this is my value. The business is saying this is their value. And then it hits the bottom line. But did you listen to Dare to Lead, Brene uh, Brown, where they talked to Priya Parker? And yeah. she was talking about like naming a meeting, naming, just even naming the meeting has impact on what occurs at that and why you're having it. I was just fascinated on how Absolutely. she broke that down so far. 
intentional um, containers. Another amazing book. Um, The book that I disturbed someone on an airplane with recently, which means I had my headphones on, but I was like, wow, cool. And I'm making notes. I'm like hyped. And now I'm talking in my outside voice. And she's finally like, what are you reading? And I'm like, so this is the book. It's the economics of higher purpose by Robert Quinn and Angel Thakor. Um, They are a financial professor. I don't remember the school offhand, so I apologize to both Professor Quinn and Thakor um, and an economist. So these aren't HR folks. These aren't culture and engagement folks, right? Their research has now defined an eight-step model for an organization to really focus on becoming purpose-driven. So that's values-driven on steroids, right? And but it's the process of how do you turn the organization and pivot? And they talk about finding even your individual contributors that are the champions and bringing them into the discussion. Not just, oh, you're a leader. Now you're, even though they hate change, they think it's stupid, then don't let them lead it. Like they talk about finding these people that are called um, arbiters and positive influencers and making them these champions. It's an amazing read very well written. I sincerely hope they continue um, to lead the higher purpose conference. I would love to see them build out certification and curriculum. It's that good about the stuff we've been talking okay. about this hour. So add that to your show notes. It's that good. Got it. Got it, Rob. Got it. All right. We have had a blast chatting with you we have cut butt up against the hour mark but we still have a few end questions that are want you to be quick and and i I didn't give them to you before so you have no idea what we're going to ask oh this will be fun what's the most embarrassing one for a thousand like start there no no because i know you don't have any you're so good tara i'm like she won't embarrass me rob would embarrass me yeah like he's the shenanigator of you. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Linda, in the past year, what has been a re- revelation to you about yourself and or that you have done differently? That just like everyone else, I am my worst coach and I will default to that before I will use good coaching skills. And I'm capable of making the pivot as long as I'm aware of it, that my inner hateful voice, um, and her name is Peppermint Mm. Petty, is not a coach. Peppermint Petty is not a coach. She's hateful. Linda Clark is a good coach. I just have to put on my coaching Mm -hmm. myself. That was huge to realize I am as entitled to Mm -hmm. coaching as everyone else is. Mm. Yeah. I think sometimes for ourselves, I, I say this to some friends whenever they're talking to uh, to themselves about themselves. I'm like, what would you tell your friend if they were in this situation? Yes. And then it sort of switches around that you're nicer. You're nicer to yourself. Yes. Oh, all yeah, right. Linda, what, like, what else? Yep. What mantra do you use for yourself and you like to share with others? Um, that changes a lot based on situations. Uh, right now it's point to the positive. It's a term we use on the river. So I paddle uh, whitewater kayaks and flatwater. So instead of me saying, so Tara, you're following me down the river. It's your first time. You're new, right? First board meeting, mm-hmm. first whatever. Instead of me going, 
Tara, do you see that big rock? If you hit that rock, you're probably going to flip. It'll be scary. You'll get hurt. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to go, holy cow, the rock, the rock, the rock. And you're going to run into the rock. Pointing to the positive, I'm not sugarcoating, but I point out the right path. I go, Tara, go this way. Then once I get you through safely, I go, now, look back. The reason I chose that line was to keep you safe. Right. If I, but we're so busy pointing out risk, 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 that some people run into the risk instead of us going, right. instead of us going, right. like, hey, you'll get sued. We should say, look, here's the research that proves that when people have an opportunity to share their voice anonymously, they will give you their bright ideas. Let them do, stop worrying about who said it. Just, right. Right. That's what it means. So point to the positive. I'm really learning like not to start with the risk, the negative, the what won't work. Start with right. what will work, what resource we do have, what knowledge we do have. Right. So appreciative inquiry right. goes with that. Right. Right. I think there was a coach that I'd heard one time saying, if you always tell them, you know, a certain thing, they will always gravitate to that. So you just, that's your point. Perfect. All right. Copying from Brene's, Brene Brown's podcast. Okay. What do most people get wrong about you? What do most people get wrong about me? Um, mm -hmm. That I've always been this approachable, empathetic human being. And that you either like you're born, like maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline, right? It's Maybelline. I had to buy some and learn how to use it. So um, the cream doesn't rise to the top. The cream just looks like you, right? It had the same mm -hmm. resource. So someone had to say, one, someone had to go, this is career limiting if you don't fix it, which was kind. Mm. And then mm -hmm. had to go, and I believe in you and here's a resource. And then that was the end of their job. My job was to go, thank you for the resource and apply it. And people fall down there too. And they want to blame it on their leader. Like you have responsibilities too. Mm -hmm. I had to go, mm -hmm, that's going to be hard, but I did it. Right. So. All right. Linda, let's say it together. Clear is kind. Un unclear is unkind. <laughs> a lot of nice is really unkind. Real clear. This is career limiting. If you continue this, Hey, you may want to put that big ring gauge in your ear and I appreciate self-expression. It will be limiting as to the industries that find you professional. Right. Now you choose. Right. Of right. no one will ever hire you. That's not true. Someone will hire you. Right. My job is to be choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. You're accountable for the path you chose. Right. Right. Good. All right. What you don't seem like a television person, but I'm just going to throw this question because we ask it. But what recent television show have you been obsessed with? Oh, I just binge watch Vikings again. Totally binge watch. Oh. I'm so about totally inaccurate fiction. And if it's, if it's historically accurate, I'm totally not interested. Uh, right. So, you know, a knight's tale, Vikings, brave, anything that's just wildly inaccurate. I probably like if it's actual history, I'm like, Bleh, boring. Does that mean? Yeah. So binge watch Vikings again recently. Okay. Zero. I had started on that before, but, oh, so good. 
All right. Our last question we ask, which you've already kind of answered, but I'll give you another opportunity to answer with a different story or the same one. But what book or podcast has had the most profound effect on you and how it changed you? Oh, wow. Um, Like profound ever. I think, honestly, Brene Brown's TED Talk on shame and vulnerability was a big pivot for me. I was working with my coach. I was beginning to make that pivot into relational people skills Mm -hmm. and really uncovering um, how much of what I thought was me being good and efficient and perfect was really trauma-informed behavior of being unwilling to accept help because I was worried about being let down, right? So those was that was the breakthrough for me of you're not bad you're not wrong you're not broken um you just kind of learn somewhere along the way that it's your job to be as efficient and self-reliant as possible and it's hard to connect with humans when you're busy trying to demonstrate how independent you can be right it just right there's no way to go i value you tara i mean i'll do it by myself but i value you people caught that right So yeah, that's what changed me. What's changed me recently, um, economics of higher purpose reinforced that I'm on the right path of people being authentic and happy and joyful. And that's, you know, those are the big ones right now, but it's always something. I'm always learning. And that's why I think we're doing this to hear what other people have learned and that you can share that with with them and with us. And so I have taken so many nuggets away from our conversation today and also just from doing this podcast of listening to people and what they have done differently or learned. And so I'm so blessed that you spent time with us today. And I just want to say thank you. I know we should yes. end on a high, but I'm actually, yeah. I'm ending I on a- terrified. Oh <laughs> terrified. <laughs> what? I value both of you and what you're doing in the HR space so much. I look up to both of you and I'm like, I'm going to be this wild child, right? Like, who am I to talk to them? And it just reminds me that we all do it, right? Right. Someone in this state that every one of us is completely intimidated by that we think is doing it awesome. And they, in the last six months, have been crying in their bathroom going, I don't know what I'm doing, right? We've all, everyone on both sides so thank you for the invitation thanks for making it really comfortable and approachable it's been a joy well it is our pleasure and a joy so thank you thank you so much so until next time bye bye